It was born as naturally as though its embryonic form had matured in thought and only waited its appropriate time of birth. One morning when I started to shave, I found my razor dull, and it was not only dull, but it was beyond the point of successful stropping. It needed honing, which meant it would have it needed honing, which meant it would have to be taken to a barber or cutler. A razor is only a sharp edge, I said to myself, and all back of it is just support. Why do they go to all the expense and trouble of fashioning a backing that has nothing to do with shaving, and spend so much labor in hollow grinding it when they could get the same result by putting an edge on a piece of steel only thick enough to hold an edge? As I stood there with the razor in my hand, my eyes resting on it as lightly as a bird settling down on its nest, the Gillette razor was born, more with the rapidity of a dream than by a process of reasoning. In that moment, I saw it all, the way the blade could be held in a holder, the idea of sharpening the two opposite edges on the thin piece of steel, the clamping plates for the blade with a handle halfway between the two edges of the blade. All this came more in pictures than in conscious thought, as though the razor were already a finished thing and held before my eyes. I stood there before that mirror in a trance of joy. My wife was visiting in Ohio and I hurriedly wrote to her, I've got it. Our fortune is made. Fool that I was, I knew little about razors and nothing about steel, and I could not foresee the trials and tribulations I was to pass through before the razor was a success, but I believed in it with my whole heart. Thank you for joining me on the Strong Calm Podcast. This is Aaron Dunn, and calm... The root word, C-O-M, stands for together and in common, and that is the subject of each and every episode, specifically communication, community building, and how that relates to strong company that's a business or just the company that you keep. That quote that I just opened the episode with was from King C. Gillette, the founder and inventor of the Gillette razor, reflecting on how he discovered a better solution to the razor in the summer of 1895. He was 40 years old at the time when he discovered uh, his invention that would later become his namesake and legacy. Uh, I, I happened upon this story uh, through a book that I bought at the Tyler, the local Tyler library called Why Did They Name It uh, by Campbell and uh, picked it up for two bucks, thought it would be an interesting uh, resource to have. And uh, since Gillette made the news recently, I thought I would pick it up and see if it might be in there. And lo and behold, there it was. So I've been reading a little bit about the story of King C. Gillette, and it was, it's just super fascinating. So I wanted to share it with you on this podcast. Uh, he had earned a living as a traveling salesman, but had a burning passion for invention. He was constantly trying to invent new things and um, always trying to figure out 
something that would be a profitable business venture for him. Uh, he was avor- awarded several different patents, but none of them ever materialized into money-making ventures or anything large. Uh, so he consistently just worked for other people. Um, at the age of 36, a friend of his, uh, William Painter, persuaded him to join a sales force at Baltimore Seal Company. They made uh, rubber bottle stops for beer and beverages. And uh, Painter eventually invented the crown cork. It's the tin cap with a cork lining, which uh, still gets some use, I suppose. But he, he made this invention and, you know, was pretty successful with it. Uh, but Painter and, and King always had different conversations back and forth about inventions and, um, you know, how, you know, what was the next thing that they were working on. And a passing remark from uh, William to King Gillette sowed a seed in Gillette that would eventually sprout into the giant, the titan that is Gillette today. The quote from the book says, uh, William is is speaking to King, and he says, you're always inventing something. Why don't you concentrate on just one thing? Something like the crown cork that people use once and throw away. And that was the moment that King Gillette, it, it, just, it just gestated in King Gillette for actually a number of years that kind of passing remark, it took Gillette a few years before this epiphany happened that I opened the episode with. And, you know, the rest is history in a way. Uh, But it wasn't, it wasn't all, um, it it wasn't all green lights for Gillette. Um, Even though he had the idea, he had the concept, keep in mind that this was 1895. Nothing like this had been made before. And he was actually made fun of quite a bit. Uh, He had, you know, different people that he would go to, mentors that he would go to. He started, you know, trying to learn about how he could forge this steel piece that had yet been made. And he would go to different people for help. And at, at some points, people would ridicule him. And say, hey, you know, how's that harebrained idea going? It's absolutely going nowhere, I already know. So, uh, the book says, The experts whom King consulted invariably advised him to forget it, that he would never succeed in putting an edge on sheet steel that would shave. But I didn't know enough to quit, recalled Gillette. If I had been technically trained, I would have given up, or probably would never have begun. I was a dreamer. And in search of the gold at the foot of the rainbow, I dared where wise ones feared to tread. I love that quote. I dared where wise ones feared to tread. And then this is an interesting little bit. Finally, in 1901, King persuaded some friends to raise the sum of $5,000 to form a company and start manufacturing. He eventually went into debt, about $12,000 worth of debt, He found another investor to help him get out of that. And the first year the Gillette razor was marketed in 1903, a total of 51 razors and 168 blades were sold. 
but it was a start, and in 1904, sales leaped to an unbelievable 90,844 razors and 123,648 blades. And now they're the Titan uh, that they are uh, today. Let's see. Uh, Gillette's annual sales. Yeah, and now they're selling, you know, $3.17 billion worth of uh, razors and associated products uh, in the U.S., alone. So I, I wanted to share that story with you because there's a couple things that really stand out to me um, that, that are very inspiring to me. One is the fact that he was 40 years old at the time of his invention, not just that he, you know, quote, became successful. He was 40 years old when he thought of the idea. And as a 29-year-old myself, that's very, very encouraging because that means that I've got 10 more years until I'm 39. And, you know, of course, I'm working hard to not necessarily invent anything, but to create um, a, a meaningful amount of wealth in my own life in different respects and success in my own life for my family and um you know, sometimes I'll get discouraged and say it's not happening fast enough or uh, I'm not doing the right things or what have you. And I get frustrated and believe that it should have already happened. And perhaps you're in that situation as well. Perhaps you're younger than me and humping that um, that that baggage uh, on your back. You're carrying this weight on your shoulders that says, you know, oh, I'm 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 not where I'm supposed to be at this age. I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I have friends that are already so successful. You're comparing yourself to others. You're comparing yourself to uh, who you think you should be. When in reality, you're probably right where you need to be and just take a breather because we don't know what the future holds. We can only control what we can control at the moment. And you never know what opportunity lies ahead of you um, for tomorrow, for a few hours from now, and especially in the next five to 10 years. So the idea that you have that seems like a failure could be a breakthrough moment for not only you and, and, and those around you, but for the world, depending on what it is. Of course, um, you know, 2019 is very, very different than uh, 1901. But I hope you can apply these same lessons that Gillette had learned, that he decided to dare where others feared. He decided to persist uh, when others say quit despite the fact that he was an older man. We have a multitude of tools at our disposal that Gillette never even dreamed of. And instead of using our um, different opportunities as ways of criticizing ourselves and saying, I should have this or I'm not moving fast enough or, or comparing ourselves to others, we should use the tools that we have at our disposal, the people that we have at our disposal to crowdsource and to use these opportunities that we have and leverage them in the proper ways, in the proper manners for enough time so that we can extract all the benefits that are available to us. So I just was encouraged by this story that, you know, it's a great reminder to be patient. It's a great reminder to stay persistent. And it's just an incredible uh, 
you know, American story of someone who had a dream, a burning desire, and made it a reality. King C. Gillette had drive. Drive is what I started off the year with. It's my personal mantra. I want to just articulate the drive principles that I see uh, in this story of of King Gillette so you can uh, see these principles at work. He was dedicated to creating a fortune. He wasn't, you know, ashamed of that. He wanted to create a fortune. He wanted to make a name for himself, a legacy, something bigger than he was to benefit others. R. He built relationships. He built relationships with others to bring his dream into reality. He consistently met with new people, was trying to figure out this problem of, you know, the, the, the steel edge, the manufacturing difficulties, the financial walls that he came to. He consistently shared his vision with others, shared this opportunity with other people and got in front of the people who could help him make his dream come true. He met new people, he joined teams of talent, and brought himself around other people to keep his fire burning. This William Painter guy is the person who sowed this seed into him and led him down the path to inventing this innovative device. Um, He had integrity, so dedication, relationship, integrity. He had integrity, never wavering from his mission, never uh, backing down from what his dreams and goals were. He stayed the course. This is a little different than dedication. He never wavered from what he believed in. V, volition. He worked hard despite the fact he wasn't technically trained. He didn't know anything about steel, didn't know much about manufacturing, but he found a way forward no matter what. His will was strong and he burned bright with enthusiasm. What he lacked in education and technical skill, he brought enthusiasm. What he lacked in financial resources, he brought enthusiasm. And you can hear it in the quotes, you can hear it um, in his story. Um, I mean, he was 40 years old, but was still just as enthusiastic if, as, as he was probably as a young gent. He had that young hustle, uh, if you will. So just wanted to share that story with you, share that encouragement. I hope it enriches you. I hope it inspires you. And I hope it motivates you to have the same type of drive in your own life and in your own ambitions. The story of King C. Gillette. So now I want to talk about why happened upon this uh, happened upon this story. It's because Gillette is an excellent example of that uh, in the past days. The conversation, while it's still happening, it's not as white hot. So it's given me some time to think through uh, this Gillette ad. And um, I wanted to Oh, I kind of wanted to weigh in on it because, you know, it's right along what we talk about on this podcast, strong community, strong communication. So they kicked them off. uh, They kicked off this new campaign, It thrust them into the public discourse. And uh, the reason it did to such a degree is because they took a bold risk by entering into a conversation about manhood and calling men to a higher standard. So but before I share kind of my opinion, my take and kind of what happened, let's talk about why Gillette might have felt they needed to do this at this moment. This ad happened in somewhat somewhat in response to the Me Too movement, but there's also another 
the, so here are a few reasons why Gillette ran this ad now. It's post-Me Too movement. The culture has shifted to this hyper-awareness of female empowerment, safety in the workplace, and and men have come under intense scrutiny for uh, A, being the bad actor that's caused the problem, and B, doing nothing to stand up for those afflicted, which are two good reasons. Regardless of how you feel, how accurate some of the allegations might be, some of the times, um, you know, how truthful they might be. Of course, there's always going to be the inverse of people saying, oh, I can capitalize on this moment. Regardless of all that, the culture has shifted to a, to, to this scenario, this post Me Too era, quote, if you will. Um, but there's other reasons why Gillette ran this ad now. One, it's the top of a new year. It's an opportune time to cast a big vision, uh, a big vision, and start something new. It's 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 a great time to to kick something off. Uh, two, the temperature of the Me Too movement has cooled a bit, and so the 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 residual effects are still there. It's still in the culture. Um, the the temperature has cooled so that you know the peak of the movement. There was some there was an allegation happening almost on a daily basis, every other, or on a weekly basis. And, you know, there's still some, uh, tremors of that, but, uh, you know, it's not nearly as, as hot, as white hot of a moment as it was. Um, so one, it's an opportune time just in general to cast a big vision Two, another reason why is that the temperature has cooled. And so for Gillette, it's a bit safer of a risk to, do an ad like they did. It's important to kind of wait before they share their voice as a a brand for men um, to do. So if you're going to enter the conversation, you you need to be you need to be able to read the room, and that's what they're doing. They read the room. Uh, the temperature's cooled, so it gives them a little bit of opportunity um, to to make a statement. And three. They've declined in market share over the past few years uh, with the advent of Dollar Shave Club and Harry's Razors, who beat Gillette to the punch into the direct-to-consumer space um, back in 2000, like way back in 2012. Dollar Shave Club came out with this um, excellent ad, uh, YouTube ad that went viral, um, that really successfully deployed what the 22 laws of marketing calls the law of the opposite, which what they did was to create a fun underdog alternative to the quote best of the Titan. That is Gillette dollar shave club said, Hey, why are you paying all this money for this fancy razor company? Uh, you know, all you need is a, is a shaved face. Why, why spend a bunch of money, uh, for that? And they really resonated with their audience with this message in a new way. Plus, they they innovated the they innovated in the space by being the first to offer the direct to consumer solution. So it was one more affordable, two resonated with a, their audience in a in a very relatable way where their audience was uh, where their audience was which is like on youtube and social media and they offered a compelling offer which was like a dollar for a razor which was unprecedented uh presidented so they got to gobble up some market share uh along with harry's razors who came soon after so um the the data says that gillette was a beast has been a beast for many many years and holding strong at 70 percent of the market 
And in the last few years, um, in the last few years, around like 2017, 2016, some articles I was reading is that they've dropped to 54% with, you know, uh, Dollar Shave Club and Harry's Razors, you know, taking a lion's share of those, uh, uh, of the market at that point. So they have, you know, Gillette is responding to all three of these things at once with this ad. It's great time to run a new campaign. The temperature's cooled a little bit and they need to do something and something quick. They need to grab the attention of their market because their stronghold on the market is steadily slipping away. So Gillette has successfully deployed another uh, referencing 22 immutable laws of marketing again. They understand the law of perception, knowing that it's not about products, it's about perception. It's about the perception that your brand holds in the customer's mind. The best a man can get, the 30-year-old slogan from Gillette, is not good enough anymore. People don't necessarily care about the best. They want it high quality, yes, but they they want it to be the best for their pocketbook and the best for what they believe in as well. The hearts and minds of younger demographics have changed. The culture has changed. Lots of things have shifted and Gillette is answering to that shift now because the competition has raised, the culture has shifted. And so they've got to do something and here it is. It's, it's now, and now it's here. Um, so let's, so that's, that's why, that's why Gillette ran this ad now. So let's get to the what. I think the best way to explain how this ad, you know, pierced the cultural conscience and, um, you know, really resonated with people is to break it down into the F filter, what I call the F filter. Um, Gillette is still a leader. They aren't not smart. They have an excellent team, uh, an excellent marketing team. And in they they step forward into they 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 took some risk, but they boldly went where another shaving brand has yet to go, displaying authority and leadership. They played their ace card in a in 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 a big way. I don't know if it was a royal flush necessarily, but it was definitely a strong hand. So let's look at it through what I call the F filter uh, of communication. First, they look at the facts. They looked at the facts. You know, it's time for a new campaign. The temperature has cooled. uh, And they looked at, you know, what's happening within their own company and what's happening in the broader cultural conscience. You know, what are people talking about? What, you know, what does a man a, a, a brand for men look like uh, in you know in the eyes of the consumer today in a broad sense, but also our target audience. Uh, they they looked at you know what can, how can we operate, how can we move um, in this scenario. They looked at the facts. They said they took inventory. They said, okay, well we're market leaders. We're still essentially the authority in this scenario. We're still Gillette, we've still been around for a long, long time, but things have changed. The culture has shifted. Um, so they looked at the facts. They also tapped into feeling. So given the facts, they had to look into the feeling. They had to say, 
okay, how are consumers feeling about men? How are consumers feeling about shaving? And what are what what is the culture saying about manhood in general? They deployed empathy. They had to get themselves. They had to put the brand had to put themselves in not only their target customer shoes, but the shoes of everybody around their target customer and say, what are people feeling about men in general and shaving in general? They also tapped into the feeling of a vision. So they, they wanted to create a feeling as well. So they had to read the room. They had to see, you know, what's really actually happening uh, in black and white, but they had to tap into the feeling that, uh, that those facts created as well as package up a feeling that they wanted to create themselves. Then they shot down the foe. They, they properly defined who the enemy would be. To be a leader, you have to properly define what you're going to walk away from. They had to state, this is not what we believe. So they tapped it by tapping into the feeling, by deploying this empathy, they had to say, okay, well, people are talking about this, this is happening, you know, they, and they stated it in their commercial. They shot down the foe very, very fast. They said, is this the best a man can get? They, you know, used, you know, news, uh, you know, different, uh, different news snippets and things like that to to bring color and to name the foe, but they quickly shot it down. Um, so you have to name the foe. And then they, most importantly, raised the flag for something. So they looked at the facts, they tapped into the feeling, they shot down the foe, they named and shot down the foe and raised the flag for the best a man can be. So they care that now, now, Gillette is carrying the torch for successful manhood. They're stepping into this new kind of blue ocean of where somebody else hasn't gone, where where Dollar Shave Club came on the scene and said, hey, we're relatable because we know that you don't like paying so much money for for razors and we'll do do it in this kind of funny underdog way. Gillette says, we're still the market leader. We're still the first in the space. They're, they're going to play their, their strong cards. They're just going to level it up with a new vision that taps into the culture of today by saying we're for the best a man can be. We're for these values. We're for these principles. We're for a successful man, and this is what it looks like. So they looked at the facts. They tapped into the feeling. They shot down the foe and raised the flag for I've often said that the best brands begin with a belief and then use that belief to properly lead a community. By shifting the brand from a product focus, the best a man can get, and shifting to a best a man can be, they've done this explicitly and updated their slogan to properly resonate with the conscience of the culture today. Now they're positioned to raise a different type of leadership that stands for values and principles of manhood and call on men to be greater, uh, to, to, to that great role of manhood in society, which I don't find anything wrong with. 
However, there was a lot of blowback, dislikes, viral hatred, which is part of the course for something that takes a bold stance like this. The marketing team knew to some degree that that would happen. Uh, you know, the reality is people don't like to be preached at or told how to live uh, or told that they have problems that um, they may or may not have. Uh, many people interpreted the ad as an assault on the American male that, you know, uh, what they're doing is admitting that all men have these tendencies to be, uh, you know, harassers or uh, offenders, mansplainers, that kind of thing. But I don't think that's entirely the case. You can you can read it that way, um, I suppose. But again, this is one ad in a very very large campaign. They had to they had to balance out this f filter uh, in in a certain in a certain way to properly penetrate. They had to look at the facts. They had to tap into the feeling before they could really properly raise the flag for. So this is the first. You know, by stamping the flag into the ground, they had to cause some friction. So we'll have to see how the rest of the campaign plays out to see if, you know, that really is is true. If that holds up that, you know, they're uh, really just uh, man hating in, in, in some respects or what have you. But I really don't think that's the case. I think they did a pretty good job, the best job that they could in, um, you know, communicating what they want. They wanted to pr- they wanted to position the brand into principles and values, which uh, which is what people are looking for these days. They want a brand that they can believe in, a brand and a community that they can belong to, and they're doing that by anchoring the brand in these things. Instead of just product, they're doing it in belief. They're anchoring it into uh, how, they're anchoring it into perception. So I think uh, they told the story of, you know, true manhood in a way, and overall a good way this is a, a brilliant way to communicate, to build community, and reestablish dominance as a company by resonating with the culture uh, as it sits. So it's a great example, great case study. Let me know what your view is on this Gillette ad. Let me know what you think about you know everything that I stated here. If there's anything that stands out to you, please uh, give me a shout out. I'd appreciate it. At Aaron Dunn Works. Thank you for listening to the Strong Calm Podcast. Keep your communication strong, your community strong, uh, uh, and stay driven. Thank you.